Good morning. How are we doing? Good. It's good. Glad you guys are here. My name is Drew Phillips. Um, I'm the Next Steps pastor here. Uh, I only get to do this about four times a year, and so I'm going to take full advantage today. So buckle up, because um, I'm excited for what God has for us. We're in the middle right now of a five-week series on spiritual formation, and we're specifically looking at spiritual formation through the practice of spiritual disciplines. The last couple of weeks, Trevor and Daniel have talked about two specific disciplines, the first one being the study of God's Word, and the second one being confession. Trevor talked about the part with studying God's Word and that particular discipline kind of acting as our GPS. And we've taken this overall picture that we are all on this journey with God, and His Word is the GPS or the thing that keeps us on track with Him as we journey. Last week, Daniel talked about confession and accountability and how that can act as our way of when we get off course, when we detour, it helps us to get back on. I want to remind us a little bit of why spiritual disciplines are important. If you, know, if you don't know it, every day you are being formed by something. Decisions that you make, things that you watch, Any information that you let in is forming who you are. Spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices help us control or manage the decisions that we make and the information that we allow in, ultimately helping to form our habits. And our habits then inform our character. So the habits that we have, the things that we find ourselves doing on a regular basis form who we are. So by taking these spiritual disciplines and applying them to our lives, by practicing them on a daily, on a weekly, on a monthly, on a regular basis, it helps form and inform our character and who we are becoming. Ultimately, our goal as followers of Jesus is to become like Christ. So when we look at these disciplines, these are not things that we just pulled out of the air. These are not things that we grabbed hold. Hey, this would be good to talk about. This would sound good. No, these are things that we see Jesus practicing on a regular basis. These are practices not only that Jesus practiced, that we have seen throughout church history that our church fathers have practiced over and over and over again. And it helps form us to look, to love, and to live as Christ did. Today, we're going to talk about the spiritual disciplines of prayer and fasting. And as the study of the Word of God operated as our GPS to show us where we're going, and as confession helped as our detour, the way I want to say today is that prayer and fasting help us to rest, regroup, and refocus as we journey with Jesus. Helps us rest, regroup, and refocus. Last week, if you were here, Daniel used this illustration throughout his whole sermon where he talked about their trip down to Texas to visit his folks. And that they've taken that 18-hour trip so many times that he knows all the nooks and the crannies and where to stop off. He knows where all the Chick-fil-A's are. So today is Chick-fil-A. Those places that we can stop, that we can rest, and that we can regroup as we continue on this journey. Because if you've been following Jesus for any amount of time, and especially if you've been doing it for a long time, you will realize that it is not a sprint. It's a journey. 
and it's going to take time. And we need to be able to pause and reflect, refocus, and regroup. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew 6. That's where we're going to be today. Um, And if you took Trevor's challenge a couple weeks ago to read through the Sermon on the Mount, then this this will sound familiar. This is one of Jesus's main teachings to us that we find in Matthew and in Luke that help inform what his kingdom looks like and how it's best to live. Because we believe not only did Jesus come to save us and pay the penalty for a sin that we could not pay, but he also came to show us the best way to live. And so we're going to take some of his words here. So if you'll turn to Matthew 6, we'll start in verse 5. It says this, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners or to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need even before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. If you continue down a couple verses after that, Starting in verse 16, it says this, And when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their face to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When I was in middle school, I started my uh, career um, as a cross-country runner. I uh, had played soccer and basketball and baseball up until that point, decided that I was done playing soccer and I was going to start running as a way to stay in shape for basketball. And so I get out, of course, I know everything as a seventh grader running cross-country for the first time. And so we get running and my coach comes to me and says, Drew, you have got to relax You've got to relax your face. You're running with your teeth gritted and your shoulders tight and you're bent over. It says it looks like you're running to first base. You need to stop. You need to get your hips underneath you, shoulders back, and try to smile. Let your face jiggle a little bit. Something you have got to relax because you are not going to be as efficient or as successful of a runner if you are tense the entire time. Of course, as I said, I knew what I was doing and so I told him he was wrong and continued to run that way, and continued to struggle, and I'd get done at the end of races, and I would be absolutely exhausted. Finally, to convince me, he took a picture of me during the race, and this was back before flip phones, so he actually brought a camera out there, snapped a picture, went and had it developed, and brought it back. Well, you young people, you don't know what that is, but that's, uh, that, that, that's how we used to take pictures back in the day. So he shows me the picture, and the picture, of course, same thing, bent over, shoulders tight, teeth gritted, And so I said, all right. So the one of the practices that I did, and it looked ridiculous as a way of relaxing as I started wagging my arms like this when I ran. I did this for three races because it helped me not to clench my fists and to hold on to things so tightly and to be so tense. 
It's very similar to us today and how we do life. We are running from one thing to the next. We are tense. We are stressed. We're busy all the time. And we're just trying to grit our teeth and get through it. Prayer and fasting invite us into this this place and space to pause and to rest. To loosen our grip on life. And to focus on what's really important and what's life-giving. We see prayer and fasting all through Scripture. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the book of Esther as the whole nation fasts and prays as they are looking for God to intervene for the Jewish people. We see it in Daniel as his people do not partake in the king's food, but fast from that in order to remain strong in their faith. We see Moses and Elijah and Jesus doing it. They fasted for 40 days and prayed as they were seeking God's will, as they were going on mission for what he had called them to do. And we see the same in the early church. Through the book of Acts and through the letters from Paul, we see churches and people in the churches fasting and praying as they were preparing their hearts, their minds, and their lives for for what God had for them. So this is a practice that we see often throughout Scripture. And I want to start today with looking at prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is one of those things I think is confusing for a lot of people comes with a whole bunch of questions. How often should I pray? How long should I pray? What should I pray for? What words should I use? Is it the right words to use? How should I stand? Should I sit? Should I be on my knees? Do I have to raise my hands? There are questions about how we pray. And I love what Jesus did here is in this passage, he simplifies it for us. I think it's important to recognize that first he says, when you pray. So not if you pray, if you decide you pray, So the answer to should you pray is yes. Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. Don't pray in a way that you're going to try to impress other people. I don't know how you were growing up. For me, growing up in in youth group and in church, when I was starting to learn to pray out loud and finally got the courage to do that, I would kind of steal words I heard other people say to try to make it sound really good and formative that they'd be really impressed with how I was praying. And it ended up sounding ridiculous because <laughs> I was using the words in the wrong form or fashion. Jesus says, don't try to use impressive words, but speak from your heart. And then he gives us an outline or a structure of what prayer should look like. Starts with this. First of all, remember who God is. He's our father in heaven and he's holy. If there's nothing, us, nothing else that should ground us and center us, it's that truth. That who we are praying to, who we are talking to, is our Heavenly Father who loves us unconditionally and who is holy and who is perfect. After we've centered ourselves there, then we move on to, God, not your will, not my will, but your will be done. The world wants it to be the opposite. No, Lord, the decisions, the habits, everything that I do inform how I want to live, what's best for me, what I think my will should be. And in prayer, we lay that at Christ's feet and say, not my will, but your will be done. Then move on. Please provide for our daily needs. Give us today our daily bread. Now, this is something for us, most Americans, most people sit in this room, we don't understand this because most of our daily practical needs are met. We don't have to think about where our next meal is coming from or if we're going to have hot water, or whether our roof is going to cover us this evening. 
But we do have emotional needs that need to be met. We do have spiritual needs that we need God to show up and give us the grace and the mercy that we need to get through today. So pray, God, thank you for providing for my practical needs and please provide for those needs that I don't have. Forgive us for our shortcomings. I don't know if you know this, we all mess up a lot. We sin often and we need forgiveness for that daily. So God, forgive me for my shortcomings. And in response to that, I love what Jesus does next. Help me show that same forgiveness to others. Do you see that posture there? That we are forgiving people because we understand that we were forgiven first. Can you imagine if that's how our relationships went? If our posture with our relationships, with our spouse, with our family, with our neighbors, with our friends, started with, I'm going to forgive you because I know I need forgiveness every day. Our world would look completely different if that was our posture that we took into it. Forgive us our debts so that we can forgive others. And then finally, protect us from temptation. We live in a world where we have an enemy that wants to pull us away from God, wants us to pull us out of God's presence, to focus on ourselves, and to lead us into temptation in whatever area that is. So God, please come in and protect us from that. Protect us from the evil one. Protect us from temptation. These are the elements that Jesus gives us in the Lord's Prayer, as it's commonly called, referred to. Do we need to pray all of this every time? No, but maybe. Maybe for you, daily, this needs to be your prayer. Some way, something like this, where these are the elements that you're praying for on a daily basis. Prayer is this, simply communicating with God. It's talking and it's listening. It's a conversation. For me, it's helpful. Sometimes I I picture Jesus or God sitting in the chair in front of me or sitting next to me in the car. If you've sat with me at all, you know one thing about me. I like to talk. I talk a lot. My prayer life reflects the same thing. So I'm really working on what does it mean to listen? What does it mean to listen to God and not just talk all the time? It's an area that I'm growing in right now. The important thing to remember is this. Prayer causes me to stop, causes us to stop, take a deep breath and separate from what's going on in our minds and in our lives and be present with the Father. An important truth to remember is this. In Romans 8, Paul gives us this. Sometimes we get to the place where we don't know what to pray. I don't know if any of you have walked through difficult times personally or with close friends, and you just don't know what to pray. You don't even know where to start. We have this promise in Romans chapter 8, 26 and 27 that says this. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself, the Holy Spirit, intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. So what does that mean? That means that we have the Holy Spirit. If we are followers of Jesus, we have the Spirit in our life that empowers us and that will speak the words that we can express to the Father. So even when all we can get out is Jesus, 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 and that's all we can get out, the Spirit will inform and tell the Father what's really on our hearts. 
We don't always have to have the right words. Prayer is a practice that you grow into. It's not something that you immediately pick up, figure out. It's something that you grow into over time. As it becomes a regular rhythm and habit in your life, it'll be something that you become more comfortable with. It'll be something that you can learn to sit and listen longer. You'll know how to speak from your heart and your mind, stuff that's really bothering you. You'll start to be able to communicate that a little bit more easy. And like anything that's worth doing, it's going to take some time. Be patient with yourself. Don't beat yourself up because you said, oh, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and I, was, I fell short. The Heavenly Father just wants to be with you. He just wants to spend time with you. So be patient with yourself. He's a patient, patient Father. Now let's turn our attention to fasting. Fasting is this um, discipline that probably is the most uncomfortable for us and probably one that we don't talk about or practice all that often. We live in a world today that says, have as much as you want whenever you want it. And at the heart of fasting, it's the exact opposite of that. How many of you have seen the new Diet Coke commercials? I can't stand them. It makes me feel old. But all it says is this, do you. You want a Diet Coke? Have a Diet Coke. You want to, yurt it up? Want to live in a yurt? Yurt it up. You want to run a marathon? That sounds real, real hard, but run a marathon. It's this whole idea of that you do you. And that's not, that, 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 that is a microcosm of what our world is today. You just do you. You do what you want to do. Enjoy what you want to enjoy as much as you want to enjoy it. That's the lie that we're buying into. It's also, fasting has become kind of this popular recently um, fasting technique or, or dieting technique where you can fast a little bit. And it's called intermittent fasting. It's this idea that you either only eat eight hours of the day or you take two, a day, two days out of the week and you fast for 24 hours. And this, it's a, it, it works. The, the idea behind it is you eat the meals that are already on your body is the way the coaches kind of talk it up. But we're not talking about physical formation today. We're talking about fasting for the purposes of spiritual formation and what it does to our inner life, what it does to those places that aren't seen by others. So before we get into it, I just want to give us some facts, some overview, some understanding of what it is. First of all, when we see in Scripture, when we see fasting, in Scripture, that always refers to food. Now, does that mean fasting always has to refer to food? No. But when we read about it in Scripture, it always refers to food. A whole fast is a fast where you give up everything except for water to drink for a period of time. So that's a whole or a complete fast. A partial fast is something that you eliminate for a period of time. You see this a lot during Lent. You hear some people will give up things for Lent. Maybe they give up meat or chocolate or caffeine or alcohol or something. They've given up something for a period of time, and that's called a partial fast. And then finally, as we read here in Scripture, it's not supposed to be something that's public. For the purposes of spiritual formation, fasting is not something that you go around letting everyone know about. I'll t share a funny story about that here in a second. But we see some similar things in fasting from Matthew 6. Jesus says, when you fast, that same language that he said, when you pray. 
So when you fast, when you, intention, when you intentionally deny yourself something in order to spend more time with me, when you do that, first of all, clean yourself up a little bit. Still take a shower, still get yourself ready. Don't let people know that you're fasting and looking miserable all the time because you're hungry is what he's talking about here. Present yourself in a way that people will not know that something is different. And also, don't broadcast it to the world. Let this be something between you and God and maybe one other person, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. So the first time I fasted, I was in college, and I was making this decision, kind of going through this thing of whether I was going to pursue ministry full-time or whether I was going to stay in athletic training physical therapy, which was going to promise me more money and what I knew I was good at, but I was denying this call to ministry. So part of that process was me doing an internship that summer. And so I was praying, and I was like, okay, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to fast to seek God's will on this. So what did I do? I told everyone I was doing it. <laughs> I broadcast it. People didn't even ask, hey, how's your day going? Great, I'm fasting. Did you know that? This is what I'm fasting about. And, and, I, and there's part of me that, yes, there was a genuine uh, part of my life and my heart that I was really seeking God's will. This was going to be a huge change and something I'd been wrestling with for a lot of years. So I really did want God's leading and guidance on that. But in all honesty, there was a piece of me that loved the reaction and the look on the person's face when they said, oh, that's really cool. I'm thinking, man, they're thinking this 19-year-old's got it together. He's already fasting and praying. Man, this is impressive. I was looking for that. I was getting my reward in full by the reaction I was getting from people. Finally, I had a friend come up a little bit older than me and said, hey, are you aware of that teaching? And I said, no, I just knew it was something that I've read people do, but I wasn't sure of all of the implications. And he pointed me to this passage. And he was right. There was a part of me that was looking for that affirmation from other people. The part about uh, making sure that you um, continue to live your life, that's true, but you also have to pace yourself a little bit. I was in college, uh, so I had the normal rigors and routine of finals and everything else. It was also the middle of intramural basketball season, and so I was still working out and playing intramural basketball in the midst of this. I didn't tell you, I was going to do a 36-hour fast, or three-day, a three-day fast, only drinking water, yet I was going to continue life as normal. 36 hours in, I passed out in my dorm room because, again, I hadn't stopped. <laughs> I hadn't slowed down. I was continue running at the same pace I was running at, and my body could not sustain that. It was not smart. My body wasn't ready for it. I'd bitten off more than I could chew because I had this idea that I wanted to be holy and I wanted to impress people. Jesus lines it out for us of what fasting should look like. So how does it look like for you? How does this play out in your daily life? I'm glad you asked. Let's talk about it a little bit. What I would like for you to do is take a moment and close your eyes. And I want you to think about, think of something in your life that has an unhealthy hold on you or that takes up a good amount of time. It might be food. <clears throat> it might be social media, sports, television, Netflix, video games, shopping, etc. Now think of how you can limit that in order to spend more time with God. Again, 
you can open your eyes. The main purpose of fasting is this, to eliminate something in your life for a period of time in order to spend more time in prayer and with God. So whatever that thing is, I encourage you this week to step into that. Don't run away. Something came to your mind when I said that. Something that has an unhealthy hold in your life. Spend some time praying about that. Asking God, what, what are you calling me to? Drew Phillips' recommendation. At some point, I really encourage you to fast from food. We as Americans do not truly understand hunger pains. We might get a little munchy and go get a granola bar or go get a candy bar or go get something, but we don't allow ourselves to truly experience hunger pains and realize our need and the control that that has over our lives. So I encourage you at some point, fast from food. But if Jesus is leading you and asking you to give up Sports Center this week, or to give up the game at the end of the night, or to put your phone down in the evening and spend time with your significant other, I encourage you to step into that. Adele Calhoun um, is an author, and she wrote this book called The Spiritual Disciplines Handbook. And I picked it up in preparation for this series as we were getting ready for it, and it has been extremely helpful. It kind of works as a textbook for spiritual disciplines. And she has this quote in here about fasting that I thought communicated it so well. So I'm going to read it to you. If you want to take pictures, I think this is, this is something that's great to snap a picture of here. Adele says this, fasting clears out and opens us up intentionally seeking God's will and grace in a way that goes beyond normal habits of worship and prayer. While fasting, we are one-on-one with God, offering Him the time and attentiveness we might otherwise be giving to eating, shopping, or watching television. Fasting is an opportunity to lay down an appetite, an appetite for food, media, or shopping. This act of self-denial may not seem huge. It's just a meal or a trip to the mall. But it brings us face-to-face with the hunger at the core of our being. Fasting exposes how we try to keep empty hunger at bay and gain a sense of well-being by devouring creatures of comfort. Through self-denial, we begin to recognize what controls us. Let me say that again. Through self-denial, we begin to recognize what controls us. Our small denials of self show us how little taste we actually have for sacrifice or time with God. That's a hard reality. Self-denial helps us recognize what controls us. And when we intentionally step in to whatever God is calling us to and give up those things that we find worth and value in, that maybe even we formed our identity around for him, we realize and are saying, God, you have control of my life. Jesus, when he was in the desert being tempted, um, Dallas Willard is a huge uh, mentor to me through his books and his writings. And I heard him uh, talk on this one time when Jesus was being tempted. Satan comes after he's fasted for 40 days and says, you're hungry. 
You haven't eaten for 40 days. Why don't you turn these stones into bread? And I've always thought in my mind that that meant that, yeah, Jesus was very susceptible at that point. He hadn't eaten for 40 days. He was hungry. Satan came and attacked, attacked him at his weakest. But as I've thought about it, and as Dallas kind of taught through that, is actually Jesus was probably at his strongest. Because what does Jesus respond? Man does not live on bread alone, but by the very word of God. He had spent so much time emptying himself of everything but God that when Satan comes in and tempts and attacks, he's ready for it. He's become comfortable with the hunger pains. He's feasted enough with God that he does not need to turn the stones to bread. He's fine. The same can be true for us. When we fill our lives and our time intentionally with the presence of God, those things that tend to control us start to fade away. And we start to become okay letting go of those controls. Now, as a way of caution, if you do seek my advice and you do decide to do a food fast, a couple words of warning. If you do over a 24-hour period, please talk to your doctor. Just make sure your body can handle it. If you're pregnant or sick or struggle with eating and food, probably fasting from food is not a good decision. I would encourage you to do something else. The timing for this is not right. When we intentionally deny ourselves something in order to spend more time with God in prayer, God will show up. And another word of warning is this. Um, If you're like me, you're competitive. Don't try to bite off. Don't do the biggest thing. Don't say, okay, I'm going to try to compete with everyone. I'm going to give up the biggest thing that I can give for the longest amount of time. No. Start small. And grow into that. Finally, last little bit of helpful advice is I would encourage you to tell somebody whether it's Daniel last week talked about the advantage of an accountability partner, or maybe it's your spouse or a close friend. And the reason I think it's okay to tell them is they know all your junk. They're not going to be impressed by you. (laughs) They know the mess that you are. And if anything, they're just going to be able to come alongside of you, to pray for you, to encourage you, and to love you through whatever it is God's leading you to. So tell someone. Tell one person so that they can journey along with you. So that brings us to our Monday morning application. I have two, one for prayer, one for fasting. As far as the prayer exercises go for this week, if you haven't been following and tracking with us with our 30 days of spiritual formation that Trevor wrote, I would encourage you this week, starting today, commit to the rest of the month. That every day you are going to take time And read that, and at the end of it, there's a prayer. And you can say that prayer. And that that, you will do that, you will commit to doing that for the next 15 days that we have left of our 30 days. Maybe for you, it's pray three times a day, every day this week. Pray when you wake up, pray around lunchtime, and pray before you go to bed. And commit to doing that, and see the difference that it makes in your life when you Make that time before your feet hit the ground in the morning to say, God, today is yours. 
Help me to see what you're up to. To refocus that at lunchtime and then at, at bed, reflect on what God has done. Maybe for you, spend some time every day writing out your prayers at night. Just write down what God has been up to, the stuff that's on your hearts, things that you've seen him do. And then go back at the end of the week and read through those prayers. It's a powerful practice. I think so many times we get so caught up in the day-to-day that we don't realize what has even happened over a week. So go and write those down. Again, these are suggestions. Fasting exercises. Pick one meal this week and don't eat. And spend that time intentionally with God in prayer and in his word. Don't just give up food just to give up food. Don't just fast for a meal and then continue on. Oh, this gives me extra time at lunch that I can get some extra emails sent out. No. Take some time and intentionally pray. Be with God during that time. Fast for food, from food for a 24-hour period this week. So the first time is food you could do where you only consume liquids. And again, another helpful advice, it's best to do eat dinner and then don't eat till dinner the next night. That's usually the most helpful way to do it. Maybe you need to fast from technology. Maybe you need to turn off the television, Netflix, YouTube at work, because none of us do that, right? Social media, whatever it is, that you will fast from that. And that doesn't mean, I understand, we all have jobs, we work, we have things that we need to be available for that technology does. But in the evening, when the kids are down, or when you're settling in for your night, don't turn on the television, but spend that time having a conversation with somebody. Spend that time praying. Spend that time in God's Word. Turn it off for 24 hours and feel the release. For me, one of the things that I've been practicing lately has been on Fridays, I try not to be on social media. Fridays is one of my days off. Um, and so Fridays is a family day for me, and I try my hardest on Fridays not to be on social media and put my phone up. And it's been this practice for me that has been so life-giving. Am I successful with it every week? Nope. But the days that I do, I realize, you know what? I may not have seen that breaking sports story off on Twitter, but I read about it the next day. It didn't change anything. Those things that I think are so important in my life that I can't miss this and I can't miss that. No, I actually miss it for a day. And I've really come found I didn't miss it at all. And it was so good to be present with my wife and with my kids or the people that we're hanging out with. So I encourage you this week, as someone just told me out in the hallway, a little tagline here, if it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. So my encouragement is to do this. Don't just give up chocolate if you don't like chocolate. (laughs) Make it be something that's costly to you, that costs you something. God is trying to grow us up. He wants to grow us up. He wants to entrust more and more of his kingdom to us. But we need to be mature enough to handle it. God doesn't desire for us to be in the same place spiritually that we were three years ago. And three years from now, he wants us to be more advanced than where we are now. And that comes through changing our habits, our decisions, how we live in order to look more like Jesus. 
we're going to enter into a time of communion now. Communion is a great reminder, again, that we needed a rescuer, that we needed someone to come down and pay the penalty for us that we could not pay on our own. It's also a good time for us to stop, to rest, and to reflect. So my encouragement to you is this today is I'm going to pray for us. And then instead of just getting right up and going to take communion, sit in your seats for a second. Spend some time reflecting on what God was stirring in your heart. Spend some time praying to him, asking, God, what do you want from me? Where are some areas in my life that I need to seek forgiveness? Who do I need to forgive because I have been forgiven? And then when you're ready, come and take. We'll have four stations set up, two in the front, two in the back, and then we do have a gluten-free station that's in the middle here if you need that. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, you are holy. You are our Father. You love us so much. Your desire for us is to come and to spend time with you and to realize the things that we feel like control our lives don't compare to when we give you the control of our life. So I pray for everyone here, everyone in this room, Lord, that this week that we would not leave here without making a commitment to reorder our life around you. That those things in our lives that have an unhealthy hold on us, Lord, that we start to give those up. That we don't let them control us anymore. That we take steps of faith knowing that you love us, that you are enough. That you can provide for our daily needs. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for forgiving us our sins. Thank you that we know that every day is a clean slate. Allow us to live in that posture, Lord, and to love others and forgive others as you have loved and forgiven us. And Father, protect us from the evil one. The way he tries to ensnare us and to entrap us, Lord, keep us from temptation. Put people around us to walk alongside of us as we journey. Thank you for being patient with us. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.